Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Blabby. Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me from across the pond is Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how's it going, sir? I am doing very well today, my friend. Can you believe it? We are now, it's almost the second month of the new year already. I feel like we're going to be saying that a lot, not that I wish the year to hurry up, but man, this has felt like the longest month ever because, I don't know about you guys in the States, but... In the UK, United Kingdom, some businesses, including mine, they pay you uh, a week early for Christmas, basically, ten, nine, mm. nine, ten days early, so you can have an extra uh, leg up for Christmas. And every year I think, yes, I'm so pleased, brilliant, I can sort Christmas out stress-free. And I always neglect the fact that come halfway through January, I am going to be running on fumes financially because it's that you know that's almost four weeks are up, so... Uh, that that's been rectified today. It's felt like the longest month ever, but at the same time, I'm like, damn, we're already in a second month already. Before we know it, the Oscars are going to be here. Uh, we'll be going into uh, spring summer movie season. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but it feels like things are moving. Oh my god, I've just realised about mortality. Uh, but otherwise, yeah. other, other other than that, I am doing very well. I can't complain. Um, how are you though, my friend? You keeping Florida safe and well? How's do the all jobs? Yeah, you know, doing the same thing. Do, do all jobs pay monthly? um in the uk the, or is that the, no it's uh it's i mean salary jobs do so that's your uh monthly some jobs mm. play i mean mainly in i mean to be honest I, I don't know if they've moved away or not because i have had jobs before where you get paid fortnightly um i've had other ones this is when i was much younger like first kind of jobs you get paid weekly but for the most part it's um it's a it's a, it's a salary so you get this is how much you get mm. a year this is and and it's not going to change unless you get a pay rise. I know some people obviously work on an hourly rate and it's totally different. And yeah, I th- you know, hourly rate I think is the more likely one to get paid every fortnight or every week. But um, well, I, so I'm like be on a salary like like a lot of people, so I just get paid same amount, same time each month. Most teachers, uh, in Florida at least, um, do get paid monthly. Uh, I worked at a charter school though for the last 13 years and we were paid twice a month. So it wasn't quite bi-weekly. It was like literally the, the 15th and or the closest working day to the 15th. So like if the mm-hmm. 15th, yeah, yeah. whatever, but, and then the, the last day of the month. So depending on the month, obviously. Um, and then huh. switching to my new position, uh, I'm back to monthly, um, which I had not had a monthly paycheck in a long time. So it was, a I, I was very strategic uh, with my planning for it. So when I, we also got, um, our paycheck substantially early, we got our paycheck the last working day of December, which for my school was like December 8th. So like I got my last paycheck was December 8th, but I was very like aware of that reality. Cause like I had just got paid for like 
like the last day of November. And then like a week later, my next paycheck, I'm like, okay, this is going into savings until January 1st. And then that will be when I can touch this money because otherwise I will have no money. And, um, you know, uh, I was very, very strategic, but it's still like, like all month I've been like waiting, like, is it, is it pay week yet? Cause it's, it, I'm aware it's been a long time since I got a paycheck. Um, yeah, that's exactly so, how I felt for the last two weeks, probably. And I mean, most people at work, it became a running joke or running um, sympathy joke where, um, uh, you know, people would come in almost counting the pennies and, and uh, consoling each other because, man, is it a long month. But I feel that twice a month, though. I know, obviously, that is essentially fortnightly, but um, yeah. I don't know. I don't some people i think it all depends uh, for me on things like rent payments or or stuff like that if you get if, if it's some because some rentals are weekly pay some are monthly i think for that sense i probably like to just get keep getting paid monthly because everything seems a little bit more organized maybe it's, it's all manageable as long as you are manageable yes. with it you know I, as I long as you are organized with when you have things due and whatnot like i have a spreadsheet for my my bills that i you know otherwise i would lose my mind uh like Always worried that i would forget something um but yeah, uh, it definitely helps um, maintain. We didn't mean to get into financial situation, but it was, I found <laughs> it that I never thought about um, the way you said it was so matter of fact that like everybody gets monthly. And I, I don't know if that's true for salary jobs outside of uh, like education. Like I did, I worked, I was a store manager at FYE for a year and I was paid, um, I think weekly actually at FYE, uh, but, and I was salary, but it was still like an hourly type of job, you know, but like yeah, I, yeah. I was salary, like I had to work 50 hours a week or whatever. Um, and I was paid at the time, this is 2010. I was like $35,000 a year, which was just a little more than I was making as a teacher at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, you know, um, we need more money folks, everybody. I think everybody is in need of more money because everything costs so much more. Um, you're telling me let's, have, let's man, have more money and a four day working week. How about that guys? Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's bad when like, the popcorn prices at movie theaters are starting to feel like the same amount of money of other places. Like it's not, it used to be able to go to McDonald's and for $5 get, you know, big Mac and fries, which has been a long time, but in my head, it's still like, that's when I think of value meal. That's how much it was for most of a chunk of my life. And movie theater popcorn was $6. And you're like, that's ridiculous. I can get a whole meal for five bucks. And now it's like movie popcorn still like six bucks. Like yet now the, the meal's 10, you know? So like the, it's starting to like movie theater inflation is starting to just be the world's inflation um, in ways that, you know, like it used to like $5 for a soda. It's like, it's two fifty now for a bottle of soda. It used to be a dollar, you yeah. know, like no, uh, you're right. it's when going it's to the theater up. to get, well, when you go to get a popcorn and that, that's what you go to the cinema for, to get for most people, you grab a popcorn, whatever. We spoke about this the other week, didn't we, on concessions about uh-huh. the theatre going experience. So not to not to kind of labour that point so much, but the idea that I want to, the things I enjoy that that the freedom, uh, what's it called, escapism of going to the theatre, man, you get popcorn, you get a drink. Even that now, I think, oh, what? <laughs> not sure I can afford that now. I think I could probably spend my money more wisely. I mean, I have to pay rent this month. I don't know if I could afford a five hundred pound popcorn this this week, but um, that is an exaggeration, of course. But your your, your point is correct uh, in terms of the inflation. I think the, uh, of. The, the world's inflation has made all of us poor things, and that, folks, oh. is the movie oh. that we're here to talk about this week. Is uh, Poor Things, which came out technically two months ago like it was in november that it has an official release date however 
uh, the release was super weird. It was very, very limited and like kind of trickled out in the theaters. And this is not a four quadrant movie by any means. So it kind of makes some sense. But after the Oscar nominations came out last week, uh, all the Oscar movies basically are in theaters again, including poor things finally getting pushed to a bigger market. My theater finally got it, which uh, I didn't think we would, to be honest, because um, we still haven't got the boy and the heron. And yet <clears throat> we've had some other films that I'm just like, why did we have this? Like we had Suzume, which I like, but like by comparison, if Suzume is big enough to be at my theater, why isn't boy and the heron big yes. enough to be at my theater? And we're getting some foreign uh, movie next week that I've never heard of a another animated film, something I think it's like uh, circus bound or something like, it's like some animal animated film. I've never heard of like, we never still have got boy in the heron. How are we getting That's this? One. Like it makes no sense. Um, <clears throat> but but nevertheless, poor things finally made it close enough for Matt to see it. And we decided since there wasn't any real new releases this week uh, that we would talk about Yorgos Lanthimos' poor things, especially because a lot more people are going to be interested in this movie now that it's been uh, brought to their attention because of all the Oscar nominations. Um, yep. Or at least that's our theory. So let's get into the stats. Uh, poor things, again, officially released in November, but now in theaters pretty much everywhere, I think. I think you will have no t no hard time finding it. It may not be for everybody. Do not bring your younger kids to this movie. Uh, Emma Stone would probably not approve. Um, definitely not four quad. Definitely not four quadrant. So Yorgos Lanthimos is our director. It is written by Tony McNamara and Alistair Gray. Uh, or at least that was based on the novel. By I haven't looked at the novel. I'm kind of curious to see what the novel's like. Um, mm -hmm. I might have to add that to my Audible. I've done some um, research on it. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll listen to that then before I use my my credit. Um, Emma Stone is our lead as Bella Baxter, Willem Dafoe, uh, Rami Youssef, Jack Barton. I'm going to have to really skim, skim through this, I think, because these are not in a good order. Uh, Catherine Hunter. Let's see. We got Christopher Abbott. Gerard Carmichael shows up. Um, nice. Looking for big names. Mark Ruffalo. How is he that far down on the list? Carmichael shows up after him. IMDb, get your stuff together, please. You're killing me. This. Stink, um, yeah. I don't understand like what the the organization is. Margaret Qualley is in it, kind of like she's at the end kind of the movie. Of. Um, there's somebody else that's bigger. That's not even listed. I don't see them, but um, that's the gist of it. Those are your big Mark Ruffalo, uh, Remy, Remy Yusuf, Willem Dafoe and Emma Stone are your big actors. Um, who Chris Rabbit also, sorry. That's, I was like, there's another major character that shows up late in the movie. That's Abbott. Um, Chris Rabbit's had a really good year, by the way, he's done some great I'm stuff. A big fan of him. Me too. Uh, he continually keeps winning me over. Um, so the synopsis of this uh, film called Poor Things is the incredible tale about the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, a young woman brought back to life by the brilliant and unorthodox scientist, Dr. Goodwin Baxter. Again, that's played by Willem Dafoe. Uh, how, what, what's the, what are the stats? Well, critics love this movie as uh, they've liked most of the Anthemos, Lanthimos' films, sorry. 93% um, on Rotten Tomato, 81% audience score, which is a little surprising to be honest, because this movie it's more accessible than some of his other stuff, but it's still, it's, it's very abrasive in certain ways that I would think might like third act wise might push some audiences out, but 81% is quite good. Um, 87 meta score, 8.4 IMDb user score and a 4.2 on letterbox. Obviously movie got, what was it? 11 nominations. Yes. Um, so obviously a very well regarded film. Um, but we're here to talk about what we thought. Now, being very out front with this, I am a huge Yorgos Lanthimos fan. I, I've enjoyed almost every single one of his movies. I've seen mm -hmm. all, but I think one 
that was really hard to get. Uh, it was one of his like first films. Is a he's a Greek filmmaker, um, yes. and it was not available here in the states. It is apparently now, but I have not seen it. I can't even remember what that one's called. But um, I, I like Dogtooth. I like um, I think Alps is the uh, the other yes. big Greek film. I the Lobster was the first film I ever saw at a film festival. I saw it at the Florida Film Festival opening night. Loved that movie so so much. I have talked about that film extensively. I'm a huge fan. Um, I've only seen Killing of Sacred Deer once, but I also love that. Uh, Tuna and I have a very fond memory of our critic screening of that movie um, because he was accused of liking snuff films uh, by a critic who didn't like that movie. Um, and uh, what an idiot. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, Killing of Sacred Deer is a, a rough watch, uh, especially. It's a tough but, film, but yeah. Um, if, and folks, if you like Saltburn, I highly recommend going back and checking out Killing of a Sacred Deer because Barry Keoghan is playing a very similar weirdo in that um and uh oh man and then obviously the favorite i'm missing one all right is there another one uh killing of a sacred deer the lobster the favorites i guess that's uh dog tooth you mentioned that helps um i think that's it pretty much i think that's the main ones i can think of and now poor things and uh, poor things completely work for me i am also as much as i am a lanthimos fan i'm a huge emma stone fan and uh i i also love mark ruffalo i love willem i mean this movie's kind of made for me to love and it worked <laughs> i loved it i had a blast with this film my review's been up for a couple of months at burkreviews.com if you want to get deeper thoughts um but i mean like one of the things i noted when i saw this uh it, it reminds me of a jean-pierre genois film like in in terms of aesthetic like it reminds me of um uh city of lost children or even a little bit of amelie but also mm. it's like a twisted wes anderson's uh set right like there's so much of this film like the color palette and the um, especially like the the boat and when she first arrives in Paris, like those areas are so uniquely designed in the production design in general. Um, it looks nothing like his other films. I mean, the closest thing would be the favorite, right, where he has this like first period piece. because Everything else is otherworldly contemporary, right? Like it's always it's now, but somewhere else. Um, I'd say that about um, again, without divulging my thoughts on the film, I'd say that yes this is a period piece as was the favorite mm. but they're not content on just being a straight up period piece they're all, it's almost Fair. like a refracted period piece if that makes yes. sense yeah they're all all of his films are slightly otherworldly right like they yes. exist oh yeah, yeah in a world that feels familiar but at the same time clearly not this one even more so um there's a severe fantasy element much like the lobster where it's like this is clearly not our world but it it's very familiar to our world yes because godwin baxter i mean his name is godwin on purpose because he brings a dead woman back to life with the brain of uh basically a blank brain right like she's a clean slate and she is learning everything as she goes and emma stone's performance is incredible she she's so naturalistic in something that is so unnatural and that's a huge credit to her abilities because you believe she is what she's supposed to be. You believe she's this blank slate who's learning everything. Her first experiences, the way she expresses her movements, everything down perfect where you just believe this character is going through what she's going through. Uh, incredibly funny. There's some biting uh, jokes. Obviously, um, Lanthimos usually has some satirical elements to his film. There's some commentary about the world that we live in. One of the reasons I love The Lobster so much is it's commentary on dating and and the expectation of relationships in society i think it's incredible what he's what he does metaphorically in that film here i wouldn't say it's necessarily as metaphorical but there is this thing about women empowerment and uh, women finding their own voice and their ability to choose and make decisions and 
uh, Emma Stone is just the perfect conduit for that expression. And Bella is an incredible character as a result. I found the film to be funny um, and gorgeous to look at. Uh, Ruffalo is hilarious. Uh, and there's an incredible dance number that's been kind of circulating social media at this point. Um, there's just so much to enjoy in this film. I, I, again, I know it's not for everyone. There's going to, there's a lot of sexuality in this film. There's a lot of nudity in this film subsequently um, of all sorts of and shapes and sizes too. It's not just Emma Stone, although there mm-hmm. is a lot of Emma Stone in this there movie. Is a lot. Um, and uh, there's been great interviews about that and her decision to do this movie and working with Lanthimos and the respect the two have for each other is very evident, I think, because um, I don't feel like a lot of the sexual scenes with her especially are exploitative. Like they're very much to the story and they're very um, I don't feel like they're male gazy in a way that a, a, a lot of you know criticism would be levied at a film that's so focused around sexuality. Um, but, you know. What, I'm not an expert, but that's the vibe I got. And I haven't heard a lot of pushback on that either. I feel like that seems to be the kind of consensus is that this is, it's one of those films that handles it in a way that uh, is appropriate and um, respectful while still like challenging preconceived notions about things. Um, it, it's to me an excellent film, definitely worthy of all the uh, awards, nominations and talks. I don't think this is his best film. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's a really great film, and I, that just to me speaks volumes about his his filmography. Uh, I, I'm I'm such a fan of the Lobster; it's hard to look away from that. And um, but I, I think all of his films are re- severely rewatchable, with Sacred Deer being kind of that one exception, and Dogtooth. But like, th- that's a different thing. Like yeah. Dogtooth is very much not an American film. Like it doesn't feel like a. It, that topic broached into an American subject is never going to be an easy one anyways. But um, I think poor things is just that elevation of, of he has money now to do these elaborate production designs and elaborate costuming that you just didn't have with like the lobster or killing of a sacred deer. And I'm glad I, I think he uses it to great effect. Um, I really enjoyed this movie. I've been waiting for Matt to see it. So I'm now waiting to hear what he thought. I hope you liked it, Matt. What were your thoughts of poor things? That's true, actually, because I know you saw this a while ago. Because obviously, it got some John Burke love in the Bampies that were released this year, our own award show. But as is the way with British distribution, for some reason, major films at the end of the year, especially, we get it sometimes throughout the year, but at the end of the year, there is always that kind of December, January point where John will be able to see a film on the first week of December. I can't see it uh, in this film's case until the middle of January, and it's it's a pain because I'm also a completionist. I want to see films before the end of the calendar year of which they initially get released somewhere. So I can add them in my list, blah, blah, blah. So I never got a chance to see poor things. And of course, with not being able to see it until uh, last week, I saw it late. I, I didn't see it immediately when it came out. Uh, I did what I wanted to, but I just, just had never had the chance to. So um, I was aware of the buzz surrounding it. And I think that can be a dangerous thing. They were, I, I knew that there was hype about the film. I'd seen, of course, I'd seen uh, the 11 Oscar noms for this film. And if you look at it, it's, it's pretty much nominated in almost all of the uh, above the line categories. Uh, it's, you know, it's a darling critically. So of course that brings with it that uh, almost a pressure to like it almost or to be swept up in it and, and and if you don't you almost feel like you're betraying your fellow film fans and i must say that when i watched poor things i was i was conflicted about it because on one hand i think 
it is like you say i think it's lavish i think it is delicious it, it was a bit it was like a, a, a melancholy and the infinite sadness visually come to life the old smashing pumpkins album mm. like a lot of like night to tonight tonight visuals going on and i loved it um i love that i think emma stone is magnificent in this and like you like you i like uh yogos nanthamoff i wasn't such a big fan of the favorite um mm. but uh, i i love his films and i love his style his satirical style his biting style of storytelling as well um i'll get to that shortly as well but I think the film looks great. I think Emma Stone is magnificent. I, I, again, you hear people say how good she is and you kind of think, I kind of hope she is now because otherwise I'm going to come out with a disappointment. And she is really good. She tackles this role, a very meaty role with a real relish, a real zest. And I remember you saying, Ooh, last week, the week before what it a couple, this year at some point you said, and you, you, you hated yourself for having to say it in 2024. And I, and I, I'm with you. you know, it's a very brave performance. And I know what yeah. you mean. I was watching. I was like, I get you now because it, we shouldn't have to call it a brave performance. Um, yeah. But but it is. If you, it is nothing short of that. It's you know she, what things she's asked to do. Um, even the things she's asked to portray as well. Given the story, especially early on, where with how the, her mental ages essentially, I can't imagine it's very easy to depict that without kind of falling into unpleasant territory of um stereotypes or anything like that so i think she handled that really well and um i think better back is a very very good character and i think emma stone i actually think emma stone falls into this role head first there were moments Mm. throughout and like you i'm a stone stan uh, emma stan um there were moments where i didn't realize i was watching emma stone i was just watching a character on screen because i think she got into the role so much that it would and i love it when an actor that you that you admire becomes unrecognizable but uh, willem dafoe became unrecognizable for other reasons that was the makeup but um and his voice as well i think the performances throughout are are top dollar i think the performance are fantastic i love seeing christopher rabbit pop up um jared carmichael as well i'm, I'm a big fan of his um uh, margaret quality which Ma- margaret quality's in the film kind of um and then <laughs> uh yeah willem dafoe rami Youssef, very good Catherine hunter in her smaller role uh, I thought she's very good of her very uh, distinct, distinctive voice she's got. Uh, but I think everybody across the board is very well acted. Um, I th- I've mentioned, I think it looks great. I think the, I think the, the kind of bonkers off kilter, slightly jarring and unnerving score for this film uh, works very well as well. The music's by Jerskin Fendrix. Uh, I think he does a very, he's very good at creating this, off the wall atmosphere that the film itself does. And if you know, um, Yorgos Lanthimos's films, you know what to expect. John said it up top. It's not a film for everybody. And if you're not on board of it straight away, you will not be on board of it by halfway and you will, you will hate it probably by the end of it. it is, he is one of those directors. I feel that it's not a case of, you just didn't get it. I think it's a case of it's, it, there's a vibe. And if you can't get on board with it, you are going to struggle. Um, so I said up the top that I was conflicted and, the confliction was I did get on board with it, but at the same time it just didn't hit me like I wanted it to. There were that I, I I like I like the, the satirical side of it, I, but I think he went kind of over overboard on on that this time. I think the it didn't feel as vicious than the lobster mm. or sacred deer to me. I feel like they were really pointed, really biting, uh, and really to the point. I feel like this and maybe the favourite 
kind of lost a bit of that edge. And I looked into kind of this and I noticed that for the favorite in this film, he has one, he has uh, a new writer that he works with um, Tony McNamara. And before the favorite, he worked with a different writer. So maybe it's just the writing change doesn't always do it for me because I think with some of the messages, especially the main message, which is, you say it's liberation, but I, I would say it's more about exploration than liberation more than anything. I, I feel like that didn't hit me like I thought it would. I thought it felt undermined by a bit of a lack of consequence. It felt a little bit hollow at the end where things were, just, you know, the, the what Bella was achieving and how she was doing it kind of felt like, you know, A to B to C to D to dot, dot to dot without any real pushback. I just think, I don't think the story within was overly strong i think it was a wild fever dream and it really is it's weird kind of it's 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 this sexual wild dream which um which i'm here for but i just felt beneath the surface it was lacking a bit which i think those uh, other films that we mentioned of lanthimos i think he he hits harder with a, a a story more so than what we've got here but that said i i i certainly wasn't bored watching this john so the conflict comes from I'm digging this, but I feel like maybe I expected more because of what I was hearing. I expected a real cutting commentary on um, on sexuality, on female oppression, on uh, independence, on free thinking, and all this. And I and I, I didn't feel like I got that. And I don't know. If it, I don't know if I'm if it's a case of well, I think maybe a woman should have directed this. I don't know. I don't know. I think sometimes I always find it interesting when the tables are turned when a when a female director directs a story explicitly about yeah, men and vice versa. I like seeing different um, viewpoints on it. However, I feel maybe that it could have benefited possibly. Uh, as for the male gaze, I, I, I don't think there's any male gaziness going on here. You could easily say that there is. There's a few scenes of uh, characters tied up and fully naked where you could think this look, this feels a bit uh, exploitative, but I don't think that was ever the case. And like you said, Emma Stone's come out in many an interview and said, a paraphrasing but i'm not, i ain't doing i'm not doing any of those scenes if i don't want to i did it because i chose to i dug the story yeah. this is bella's story this is what uh, so I, I i don't believe there's any manipulation going on there but i do i, I do agree that it's definitely not for everybody um but i, I was mean, looking at em- 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 emma's at the phase of her career where she does not have to do a movie like this if she does not 100 and and also has worked with this filmmaker before, which again, there is some nudity in the favorite as well, though not nearly as uh, much, I think in this one, there's sexuality, but it's a lot less in your face for the most part of that movie. But um, this is, I mean, there's a whole montage essentially in this film of the montage of sex in this film. And I I also don't think this is a film which which is actively out to shock you. I I would, I agree. um, I'd put that phrase more so on the on the shoulders of Saltburn. I think we said that about the scenes and the point of view of characters, and when there wasn't a character on screen, why is this character doing that? It's for our benefit. I don't. I didn't get those kind of vibes from um, from this film. And I was just looking at the uh, Lanthimos's next film, just out of curiosity, before we came on, and it sounds great. It really does. It's an it's an upcoming anthology film called Kinds of Kindness, and get this, JB. Yes, he, he's he's got a different writer. Uh, he's got he's, sorry, he's going back to his old writer, um, uh, Athena mm. Philippou, who wrote Dogtooth, Lobster, Killing of a Sacred Deer. So maybe that will work more for me. But it is an anthology film where th- with three different stories. 
with four or five actors who play one part in each story, so they all play three different parts. The cast list. Oh, wow. Emma Stone, Jesse Plemons, mm-hmm. Willem Dafoe, Margaret Qualley, Hong Chow, Joe Alwyn, Mamadou Athi, and Hunter Schaefer. Man, wow. that is the cast already. That's a stacked cast. Um, I don't know when it's coming out, but you mean, just, just that kind of main five of Stone, Plemons, Defoe, main four, and Margaret Qualley is enough to get me in. But then you got like, yeah, Hong Chow, um, Joe Alwyn, Mamadou Atti as well, and Schaefer. That sounds great. And you know I love me an anthology. So what I'd say about Poor Things is, did it? Do, do I think it hit the heights or the hype that I was led to believe it would simply just by the fairly rampant further and support for it on social media and letterbox? I don't think it did. Do I think it's a bad film? Absolutely not. Do I think it's deserving of those Oscar nominations? Absolutely yes. Do I think it's going to win m- many of them? Um, yeah. This is this is where it becomes interesting. I I can I think oh I don't know Emma Emma Stone Lily Gladstone. I mean yeah. they are two like tonally different performer. You couldn't get any difference in terms of performance in those two. I, I I can see a situation where Emma Stone does win, as she may be, but I know Gladstone has got the momentum. I think Emma, if it was me, I would put my vote for Emma Stone. I'd like I, I'd like to think it can win at least on some production and costume because I think it looks incredible. Yeah. I don't think it's going to get an awful lot of love, you know, in, in the main category, like best picture and things like that, best director. But you know, that's it, this isn't a film for everybody. And the fact that a film like this, even though I don't think it's as biting or is yep. again as, as vicious as, as some of his other films. The fact that a film as wild as this can get uh, Oscar love or awards nomination love or, or wider claim from a, a diverse selection of critics and fans alike is testament that cinema is still alive and well. And it's a divisive film. Agreed. And if cinema isn't anything, it's nothing of it isn't divisive when it's at its best. So I don't know what I'd give this JP. I think, I think I'd go three and a half out of five because I liked it. Uh, I like the performances and the visuals more than the story, though. But uh, I still enjoyed it, though, my friend. Interesting. All right. Well, that is our review of Poor Things. Um, I am much more up on it than Matt, but nevertheless, uh, Matt liked it. So it's a positive. It's it's a thumbs up from both of us. It's a bloody awesome movie worth checking out um, in theaters now. We'll move on to our next segment, which is Concessions of a Cinephile. Uh, here we are going to be discussing um, trailers that have dropped. There's been a lot of trailers because it's a it's the beginning of the the year. The bad month is over. January we've <laughs> yes. made it through. Uh, we're going to start getting some big releases. We have Argyle coming next week, which we'll be talking about in a moment. But uh, mm-hmm. we're starting to get like a little taste of what's to come because this year is severely in a I think in a good way light on comic book movies. There's only three um, currently scheduled to come out. I think it, or maybe four. Uh, three Sony, which is not a good thing, and then one Marvel movie. <laughs> Only one Marvel movie, and it's not even a traditional MCU film uh, with Deadpool three. So there, there's a lot of room this year for uh, new new IP, and also, uh, you know, Hollywood thinks we we have to use existing IP, even though if you go back far enough, all existing IP was once an original IP. Uh, you got to give stuff a chance to become IP. Uh, yep. And the the first thing we're going to talk about is the directorial debut of Dev Patel, who is also starring in the film called Monkey Man. Um, if you haven't seen the trailer for Monkey Man, it is out on YouTube. We have a link in the show notes. But um, Matt and I have watched the trailer, and uh, I was I knew nothing about this movie. Same. I didn't know what the title implied. 
Um, I, I'm a big Dev Patel fan. I've enjoyed him in so many movies. Uh, I, I got real excited when his name started popping up around the new Bond, which it doesn't look like that's going to be what happens. But there were a lot of people advocating, like, let's get a non-white actor in the role of James Bond. Mm-hmm. Dev Patel was high on people's list. I'm like, yes, I love that idea. Let's do it. Monkey Man kind of feels like his audition tape in a way of like, well, if you're not going to give me Bond, I'm going to make my own franchise. And it's like his John Wick. It's his James Bond. However you want to approach it. The action in the trailer is incredible. The vibe, the, the look of it looks so cool. I am so excited to check out Monkey Man. Um, What are your thoughts, Matt? Dude, um, when you sent me this the other day, uh, I wasn't aware of it. It wasn't on my radar whatsoever. It's a Dev Patel film. I wasn't even aware he was directing it. Um, and it's produced by Jordan Peele, so it's got like superstar backing behind it as well, distributed by Which, Universal. It, apparently, this was originally um, Netflix, and Netflix oh. uh, was shelving it, and they sold it to Universal, and Peele and, and Universal were like, yes, we see something in this. We're going to give it a theatrical run. So I don't think Peele was involved in the conception of, but he is heavily involved with the distribution of now. Um, Interesting. Because, again, this was going to be a streaming movie that now we're getting a theatrical release of interesting i um i know i didn't know that but i i in the trailer i did notice how you know it said in big letters as usual like from producer jordan peele in huge letters so there will be people thinking this is a jordan peele film let's not do that this is dev patel's directorial debut i think dev patel is one of the finest uh actors out there i think he's excellent in pretty much everything he's in he's a uh he's a local boy he's one of the best british actors out there from harrow uh, in London, and yeah, like you say, call it what you will. The new John Wick, the new James Bond, the new Jason Bourne, the new Nobody, the new whatever. This is very much in that vein, but I like you know, the story behind it. Sounds quite fun. I like for that, for those who don't know the story, just coming from Google. Uh, a young man ekes out a meager living in an underground fight club where night after night, wearing a gorilla mask, he's beaten bloody by more popular fighters for cash. After years of suppressed rage, he discovers a way to infiltrate the enclave of the city's sinister elites. As his childhood trauma boils over, his mysteriously scarred hands unleash an explosive campaign of retribution to settle the score with the men who took everything from him. So it's a revenge story. Uh, it's a revenge repression story, which sounds kind of that, that in it. If you, if I read this synopsis, I'd say, wow, that smells like a Netflix film. But having watched a trailer, man, this looks stylish. Dev Patel looks great in the role. He's not, he, he he's, he's almost got like a John McClane-ness about him in certain scenes in the trailer, which tries to mm. jump through a window. And it just doesn't, <laughs> it just doesn't work. Oh like, yeah. 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 That seems hilarious. That kind of guy where it's like, it's, it's saying that kind of film where he's going to be, I hope where he's going to be doing triple somersaults across the roofs and things like that. I thought that was great. I don't know. It feels like a realism to this. Of course it's going to be hyper real, but, but I really like the look of this. I think it looks uh, to use those horrible buzzwords, which I myself hate and it looks dark and it looks gritty and it looks entertaining and the action looks really good. And Dev Patel was a, as an action, as, as a bloodthirsty action star, sign me up i've seen him do many other things so sign me up i can't wait to see his direction on this but the trailer though jb it sold me there is a red band trailer out there as well for those who want to see it but no i think the trailer got me and i've been a i've been critical of action films uh certainly over the lifetime of the the bloody awesome movie podcast where i just feel like they're very much so so now they're much of the same or they're all or they're all trying to be like another film um, and I'm not saying this is going to be any different, but it at least looks 
it, it looks a step up from some of the other just action dross I've seen in the last few years. So it mm. could be rubbish, but it looks really, really promising from it, the trailer. It does. And I, I feel like there's something to the, the universal Netflix thing. The fact that universal picked it up and peels attached that they see something with this. And I don't know, man, yeah. dev just seems like he's even the movies that are not his like the best he is usually giving 110 percent. like i i always enjoy him so i just feel like if he's invested in the story and telling it it just you know Mm -hmm. and again even the tone like you said there's like there's that good mix of of action and comedy in the trailer um that seems to work because obviously that can backfire too but for me it was really clicking and i was excited about it was it was dev patel always attached as director even if it's when it's a netflix project I don't know for sure on that. I think so, though. I think this has always been kind of his uh, nice. his focus, but not not sure. Nice. Well, fingers crossed. It, it, the, the the trailer looks incredible. I want to know your thoughts on the next trailer we saw, though, JB. Obviously, one we are very very excited for. We uh, not to spoil anything. Of course, we were very excited pre-trailer for Ghostbusters: Frozen Empire. We are of the era where Ghostbusters and- was our jam as kids. And, and if you um, go back to our Ghostbusters Afterlife episode of this podcast, <laughs> you will hear us gush unabashedly. Um, we, we were, were very much on the you like that film, I think. The, yeah, we're we're like the only critical voice who didn't seem to hate Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, <laughs> Listen, we, fan service is not. I'm going to say it again. It's not a dirty word. When it's done, when it's done wrong or egregiously, fine, call it out. But in the case of Afterlife, listen, did we need them to find a Twinkie and Egon's? Tra- uh, Dracky pocket no but it's fun did you know are, yeah. are we go- are they going to reference the og ghostbusters and get them involved yes of course they are of course they bloody well are it's, it, 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 it was this film which we're going to talk about now it's frozen empire now is yeah. this going to break away from the formula or is it going to dive head first into it this is the well, interest it's a bit like the force awakens last jedi kind of thing you've got one which is reverential and the last jedi changed it and people didn't like it what do you think about the trailer for this one, my friend? Well, so this is, it's important to note, this is the second trailer for this. So like, we've already seen parts of this and this trailer expands on it a little more. And there are two. Um, I, and I watched the international trailer just before recording. You, you had sent it to me. I hadn't had a chance to watch it. And I was like, I, I need to make an effort. I think the international trailer is better. Um, yeah. And it's, it definitely seems to, uh, I don't know, maybe like the American trailers are, are so assuming that we have a terrible attention span. Cause I feel like, they slow down a bit in the international trailer and actually let like some of the, the exposition come out. So you kind of get a better sense of what the story is. Um, I don't, I, man, I am, I've been on the fence with this since the first trailer. Uh, and I was so like, when we knew they were making a sequel, I was a hundred percent excited. Like, can't wait. Sequel after like Jason Reitman's back, you know, the, all the guys are going to be on it. We're going to be in New York city. So it's huge. I was super like on board. Yeah, first trailer dropped. I was not not super convinced. I don't love the like a lot of the everything Dan Aykroyd says in the trailer. I hate. I think it sounds so dumb, and the way he's delivering it sounds so bad. And I I know that his character's always kind of been the one to deliver like the backstory of the ghost, but it just especially knowing the real life Dan Aykroyd stuff about like he really believes a lot of this stuff, and it it just feels not good to me and some of it doesn't make sense visually like the way they've cut the like the dialogue to it's it seems like it's supposed to match up like literally yeah, scared to mean. death and it's like no they're not scared they're frozen to death that's not the same thing as being scared mm-hmm. to death and i think now the international trailer i think those are two separate conversations and it's just bad editing in the trailer where it makes it sound like that's a comment 
Um, it's definitely yeah, bad editing in the trailer because there's another scene yeah. that um, uh, another character says Peck, Water Peck, at which is it's. Mm-hmm. I was astonished that they put it in the trailer because they have literally they've yeah. either taken words out or just put or, or taken two sentences that are without co- which aren't uh, which which aren't from the same uh, scene together. And you can hear the jump in dialogue. It's, it, it was, I'm not an audio. Well, listen, we do podcasts and we edit. The yeah. show. I wouldn't say I'm an audio expert as much as I wouldn't say any, most other people are, but I was astonished that that got through because it's so blatant. Yeah. And that there's a lot of stuff like that in the American trailer. I think the international trailer one was Walter Peck in the international trailer. I don't think he was. Uh, I don't think he was. No. And no, I, he was. I think Ooh, that's no, think or, or sparsely at least there's a lot more like we're seeing not only the cameos of the returning characters, but we're seeing a lot of like celebrity cameos, like Kamel and Johnny seems like he's going to have a very small part based on the international trailer where like in the American trailer, I just, you just see his face for a second. So I'm like, Oh, he must be in this movie. And then Patton Oswald, Oh, he must be in this movie. I think they're both in like one scene. Like that's the vibe I'm getting from the story, which is probably good. Cause there's a lot going on. It does feel very convoluted early there. I'm like, is this going to be a two and a half hour ghostbuster movie? Like a good question, actually. I, I want this to be incredible, and again, I am of the voice, one of the few uh, who loved Afterlife and is considered a critic um, of of movies, you know. And so, I don't want to be on the other side with this one. I just, man, I am worried that this. I said this to you in our text, but you mentioned Last Jedi. Uh, and Force Awakens, I feel like the better comparison is Afterlife is clearly Force Awakens, right? It's doing mm-hmm. the Force Awakens thing. It's a legacy sequel kind of reboot. This is either going to be Last Jedi, which does things differently and maybe people hate or maybe people are ex- excited for something new and different, which I feel like based on the reaction to Afterlife, people want new and different, not more mm-hmm. of the same. At least critically. I, I do think th- there are a lot of people who loved Afterlife who weren't film critics. Um, but I'm afraid this is going to be Rise of Skywalker, which is that course correction because of the feedback, right? Where they, they <laughs> lean too into what people liked or they lean too into what they think people want, which from what I've gathered, most people hate Rise of Skywalker. I don't think it's just critics who hate Rise of Skywalker. I feel like it's a, a general, like, it's so course corrected that it completely upends anything they were doing whether you're talking you know yes it, it retcon stuff from uh last jedi but it also just like seems like it's not in total conversation with force awakens like things that were happening there are just left on the table or like the reinsertion obviously at this point i think it's fine but emperor palpatine the way they just force him back into it, it it's it's so concerning and that's what i'm really worried happening here we do have w- clearly a new bad guy which is one of the big complaints that afterlife had was that there was you know we were going back to the drawing board too much there's too much of the first movie in it again this we have a a a frozen thing going on like there's some cool visuals but it also looks like it's gonna be way heavy cg like more than they've needed to do in the past um i don't know i want it to be great i'm very excited that the like we get janine back we get obviously the the guys are all back (laughs) <laughs> uh slimer is in the trailer uh that's exciting that's cool I, I love slimer um but also man i i don't know i i'm i'm such a sucker for paul rudd i thought carrie coon was great in the last film uh mckenna this mckenna grace right like she was yes terrific in the first film i i, I have not seen podcast he's not in any of the trailers um Ooh, i'm like what happened I've, to seen him in, I've seen him in promotional images so he's definitely there 
Okay, because the, the the other girl whose name I don't remember, I think, is Lucky. in the trailer. Um, Lucky. Uh, but podcasts I have not seen um, anywhere, so maybe he dies early. Who knows? Um, people, <laughs> a lot of people didn't like podcasts. I like podcasts. I thought I he was very charming. Um, so yeah, you know, Matt and I, big fans. I think you're more up on the trailer than me. Yes, um, I, I so when I watched the, I guess it's called the domestic trailer, the US trailer. I thought it was, I thought it was a good trailer. I think it was better than the first one we got. Um, I'm still not sold on the, on the name. I don't like the yeah. Again, this is this isn't a this isn't a, a kick or a dig, but I don't like the the MCUification of it all, where it's you know subtitles. Just just call it Ghostbusters Four, man. Um, but I guess with Afterlife, you kind of have to go that way. But Frozen Empire feels a bit too OTT. Um, so the, the I thought the domestic trailer was good, so I was kind of batting on a okay. We've had two decent trailers, and whilst I don't think the international trailer was you know like oh my god, this this is outstanding i thought the international trailer was more than a step up from the domestic one because like you said it, it breathes we got a bit more idea of the tone we, we got plenty of jokes in there but not as many i kind of saw what was going on yeah i got more of a vibe and i i actually really i quite dug the international trailer um though in the in the u.s trailer you did have bill murray who i said to jb i said man my man jb uh, sorry bill murray looks like he's in <laughs> he's having, he looks like he's having a good time like even in within the delivery of his lines like Mel hits in the costume like it sounds like he is in and you know this the line he says about the the death chill i was like that sounds very much like a peter venkman thing to say the death chill is a bad guy they call he has he does actually have a name i can't believe it is so um but yeah the, the way he calls him like tall and horny or something like that that sounds like yeah that. yeah um and that's and that's funny i'm like yes give, give us more get that is ghostbusters give us more of that I agree. I agree with you about Acroyd. Acroyd, um, it's always been weird, just in general. We think he's just got a lot weirder as he gets older, and um, a fit similar to how I think Vin Diesel may actually think he is Dom Toretto. I do what kind of worry that Dan Acroyd, you know, he he wants to push this a little bit too far, make it too 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 much of a connected universe. When in reality, everybody knows that first Ghostbusters was just a screwball oddball comedy. Um, it wasn't really meant to be revered or have spin-offs like this where they get old and still fight ghosts and uh, that but here we are um and i know what you mean i didn't mind that croyd as much in the trailer he, he, to me he's just doing his shtick where he's the one who's been banging the drum for this for ghostbusters to continue and he's got that now so god damn is he going to play the role um so i didn't mind and I, yeah, I know what you mean i think the cgi is a step up now they the, clearly the first trailer wasn't finished I, and i find as much as i don't agree with trailers dropping half finished content I'm glad that it looks better now, and I hope it looks a little bit better in the film. I do think, though, that the the frozen empire-ness of it all is at odds with the kind of grounded New Yorkness of it all. I'm, yeah. Similarly to the whole poor things conversation, John, you you've just said it, and I and I'm finding myself not knowing what to do here because do I want another afterlife? No, because I think that is was very good and it served its purpose. But do I want something that swings wildly to the other side? not really no and i feel like yeah this is and i want to love i I think i'm gonna have a great time with this film whether or not it's a good film is a different story but um this feels like now we had that small small film set in oklahoma still a still a worldwide threat but it's set in oklahoma very small now we're going to new york and things feel bigger and you know the whole city's entering a new ice age and people are being frozen to death i feel sorry for lucky because she she, she can't get a break she got turned into a dog in the first film in this one she looks like she's gonna get frozen they, they don't like her um 
I, I just, yeah, I wonder if they're going too far on the other way now and it actually ends up becoming a summer blockbuster, which I know Ghostbusters was the one of the biggest films of the year when it came out and Ghostbusters 2 could also be argued became the blockbuster vibe. I don't think, but uh, Ghostbusters to me doesn't suit that big budget summer blockbuster film. It doesn't mean it can't be mm-hmm. successful, but I do worry about that, John. Yeah, uh, agree, agree. Uh, you know, um, I enjoyed it still. Celeste O'Connor, however, she is lucky in this film. She's got Ghostbusters: Frozen Empire coming out this year, and Madame Web. So I'm hoping for her. Cool. One of those is good, and I don't think it's going to be Madame Web. We are not talking about that trailer this week, but we are going to talk about um, a- another remake, one that no one was asking for. Um, <laughs> but uh, Doug Lyman, a director who I like several of his movies, um, has directed with Jake Gyllenhaal in the lead, an actor who I tend to like, yep. a remake of the 80s cult classic Roadhouse, the Patrick Swayze Roadhouse. fight movie, um, which I had not seen in its entirety until a few years ago, uh, Corey and I did it on um, movie club and the movies. It, it's wild. There's like severe shifts in tone in that film. Cause it starts <laughs> as just like a bar fight movie. Yeah. And then like, it goes real, real hard and like, no, it's a lot more. Um, so I wasn't sure what to expect of a remake. Are they going to, is it going to be like a one for one remake? Are they going to try to reimagine it? Are they going to tighten it up? Are they going to go bigger with it? Like, um, and the trailer's out. Now, this is going straight to Amazon Prime, and Doug Lyman is mad about that. Um, it is getting a festival run. In fact, it's going to be the opening night film at South by Southwest, which I might see at South of by course. Southwest. Um, I might not, because it is go- it literally drops on Amazon Prime like two weeks after the festival. So, like, the argument is, like, should I spend my time seeing something I'm going to be able to see for free two weeks later? Not for free, but I mean, I, I can't survive without a Prime subscription at this point in my life. So, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to have Prime. So, I, I'll be able to watch it at home right there where there could be a movie I won't get to see for a year playing at the same time. You know, so I have to weigh my options there. But um, if, although if Jake Gyllenhaal's there, I might be tempted just because of that. Yes. Doug Lyman is boycotting it. But I finally <laughs> watched the trailer with very little expectation because again i'm not i wouldn't say i'm a fan of the of the original film i don't dislike it but i'm i'm not it's, it's not it's one fine. that's been in my rewatchables kind yeah. of thing you know it's not it's one okay. i've gone back to everyone does it's swayze isn't it so it, it and yeah it's something about swayze in a role like that which probably makes sales to feel more than it should have and i've i'm a huge dirty dancing fan so it is it is yeah. weird to, like juxtapose those two films together it's like <laughs> nobody puts baby in the corner why didn't you just destroy everybody um but I I kind of like this trailer. I was kind of like, okay, this looks like a wild fun. And Gyllenhaal seems real committed to this part. Obviously, he got in super shape. Um, Conor McGregor is in this. I is like yeah. one of the main villains, uh, which I don't know if that's a, a good thing. Obviously, the noise you just made is, I think, socially, we've kind of stopped liking Conor McGregor. But it's interesting that he's in this movie. Um, I... I was surprised by the trailer. I mean, again, it, it looks like a dumb action movie and it looks like it might go very big. I feel like it might go even bigger than the original, mm-hmm. um, but that could be a good thing. And if you listen to Doug Lyman, he is raving about how good this movie is. And like, it's Gyllenhaal is like a masterclass performance. Um, and it might just be him like pushing his <laughs> agenda to get this, the theatrical release he wants, but 
I don't know, man. I was I was definitely went in low expectations, and I walked away from the trailer like, okay, I'm gonna watch this for sure. What were your thoughts? Um, yeah, I quite like the look of it. Actually, I liked how they because uh, I've 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 seen images of this floating around for the last couple of weeks and months, where they're obviously through shooting production, but you know they they went to UFC weigh-ins, they went to live events, and mm-hmm. you know, with permission hijacked it. They were like, guys. We're, we're, we're directing a film jake's gonna walk out can you go men's go wild and so all the ring walks are real they're at a real event and things like that which i i really love the authenticity of that because it would have been so easy to to not do that but i really enjoy the the fact that they did and yeah i you said it yourself it kind of just looks like a, you know, a, a bit of a bit of cheesy action film or something but i don't mind that i i, I don't and we've, we we say it here we don't expect action films to you would do do things that certain other genres might do. All I want to do is is have a bit of fun. And it, it, this film, I'm interested to see what the style of it, the tone of it's going to be because it looks, you know, just looking at the color palette of the trailer, it's very, it's almost Fincher esque in its color palette. Um, mm. So what's you know, what's the tone going to be like? Is it going to be a cheesy action film, or is it going to be a pretty, you know, raw, rough and ready action film? Uh, uh, that's what I'm interested in. I think that the uh, the the action looks good. Would I prefer to see any action like this kind of action on a big screen? You're goddamn right, I would. Yes, I don't watch UFC or anything on a big screen, but that's not a film. This is this is made for the big screen. So I'm with Doug Lyman, um, partly yeah. on that. Uh, as for Conor McGregor, um, would I call him a punk to his face? No, because he's a trained fighter. He'll kill me. But yeah. I just something about him, my man. I don't. People like Conor McGregor, Tyson Fury. I mean, there's no time for that. It's a big mouth, but it's, it's the brand, isn't it? It's Brand McGregor brand, and, and fair, 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 fair do they guys have got their bag from doing it? Um, respect for that, I guess. But it, you know, you know that Conor, you know that McGregor is going to at least bring that um, tenacity and genuine fighting ability to the, to the to the fight scenes. It's now up to Jake Gyllenhaal to match that from the work he's put in and just the shape he's in. He looks ripped. I don't doubt, and the fact that we all know Jake Gyllenhaal is criminally underrated i think as an actor he's incredibly good uh, i think the fight is going to be great it's whether I, I just hope they don't ask conor mcgregor to like act uh they the wisely the creed films didn't have their um antagonist acting the, the fighters they just said look to stand there and fight and look mean for the better i hope we kind of get that here but i think this could be i'll call it a sleeper hit because it's streaming we never quite know how what it's going to do but i think this one could end up being surprisingly entertaining it is one of those films where you think it's either going to be 20 percent on rt or one which is you know 70s to 80s and people are pleasantly surprised by it. i hope it's in the latter and the trailer alone makes me think it might be might be so i think for time we'll we'll just do one more trailer um and i i think we got to talk about the new guy ritchie film um because this dude's dr- like dropping movies right like we had two last year Crazy. Which that was Partly because of the the, the delays from COVID mm-hmm. and stuff, still, but, but still. um, but now we're getting another one, and this one is like big, big. It feels like a big budget movie for him by comparison to like some of the other stuff he's done. But uh, it's called the Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare, um, which in some ways, especially because of Carrie Ellis, feels like this could be a prequel to Operation. Um, I keep forgetting Fortune Operation Fortune is that what it's called? Uh, from last year. Yeah. Like, like prequel in the sense of like that team, maybe that whole organization is like, you know, a derivative of this organization. Uh, Henry Cavill 
and guy teaming up again. They did uh, the uh, Man from Uncle a few years ago, an underrated film. I think a very good movie yeah, that a lot of people slept on. Um, the cast in this is nuts. We got Isa Gonzalez, uh, who to me she became. I was very aware of her because of Baby Driver, but she's done a few other films since then that I've enjoyed her. Um, Alan Rich uh, Richson, who is um, Jack he's Reacher? in Mission Impossible. Uh, what what happened? Is he in Jack, Jack Reacher? Reacher? Yeah, he, he's the TV show Jack Reacher. Yes, yes that's um, right. <laughs> and then he's in a he's he's been up and coming. Like a lot of people are really into this guy. Mm. He's his he's got a very strong social media presence. Um, if you follow him on Instagram, Henry Golding is on this list. So again, that's a re- another. Um, he was in uh the Gentleman, the Guy Ritchie movie from a few years ago. Yep. So Richie bringing a lot of his people back in. That's um, what he does, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's what he does. Uh, yeah. At least since he works in like cycles, because Statham's not in this. Probably a good <laughs> call. Um, yeah. the trailers. It's like Guy Ritchie's Inglorious Bastards, I guess, in a way. Like it's you know, great show. Uh, it's a group of, of ragtag heroes who do things in an unorthodox way, fighting Nazis. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in for that. Like check. Let's, let's go ahead. Let's, I want to see the movie. I'm, I'm hopeful, man. When Richie's on, he's on. I mean, he can be way off. His movies can hit, miss wildly, but when they <laughs> work, I have a blast watching them. And this one feels like it might work. I mean, Cavill looks like he's having a blast. Just a bit, just a bit. Um, and he's Guy Ritchie's almost like a trade-off. Yeah, one good film, one not so great film, one good film. But his his good films are always lots and lots of fun. I really liked The Gentleman when it came out. Um, and then he'll do one which is kind of yeah, it's fine. This one, I'm interested to see now where this one, what side of the fence it falls on because it 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 looks a lot of fun. I mean, it looks wild, it looks colourful, action packed. It looks like the tongue is placed firmly in the cheek which I'm happy to see. And I was reading up about it because um, World War World War One and Two films, sometimes I, I think, oh man, it's making, it, it, what's it called? Objectifying or celebrating wars can sometimes be a bit of a bad look. And I was looking at this, um, not that many films, I don't, think, I don't do that, but apparently it's based on a true story. In, in a sense, it's like very loosely based that there was a, uh, a secret op squad sent out by Winston Churchill and his team, his gang, um, to uh, use ungentlemanly conduct in order to take the Nazis down. And of course, uh, being ungentlemanly in the forties, well, that's that ain't a good. That's not a good look. It's not one you want to publicise. So apparently, it's mm-hmm. kind of based on that. Now, of course, it's going to be way sensationalised, but I think it looks a lot of fun. I think the and the Inglorious Bastards. Uh, reference and comparison i think is spot on the money um it's hard also and this isn't a comparison to it but the main shot is is the the, fo- the five of the main guys on a boat and i'm like i could get jaws vibes from it because the way the way they'll look and the way they dress but mm. i have similar to roadhouse but more so for this i have high hopes for that this could be a lot of fun i know we're covering argyle soon and i've heard things about that which i think yep. this, this film um uh ungentlemanly warfare is going to be not to that. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be very aware of what it is, but without going too far in one direction. And yeah, Henry Cavill looks like he's having a blast. And man, uh, what's his name? Alan Richardson. I've I've heard he he threw his hat in the ring to be James Bond as well, um, which is interesting because a lot of people at one point were saying Henry Golding 
could be the next James Bond. So, and obviously Henry Cavill as well. So we've got three mm, yeah. old choices. I say old as in uh, previous choices for James Bond in this film. I don't think Carrie Elwes was ever um, considered, but more shame on the broccolis for not giving him a go. I think this looks like a lot of fun, John. And when Richie's on form, like you said, there's not many out there who have the, who who can capture those sensibilities that he does and the style. So, re- fingers crossed for this. And the list we've just gone through, it's it's a I say it's a mixed bag, but it isn't. Re- it's more of a the unknown. I think Monkey Man is going to be good, and I think the Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare is going to be good. Roadhouse, it, it, it's going to be one or the other. I can't I can't just see it being meh fine. It's either going to be just not good or it's going to be quite fun and ghostbusters is the one we both are the same we want that to win we want that to succeed and make all the money and but we'll see i liked the trailers um i respect i know why you don't and i get the reasons why uh, sorry you aren't as keen on them as i was but a mixed bag but looking at the four of them though i could also see all four of them being at least pretty decent come the time they will be released that's the hope, right? And again, I, I I am hopeful that they're all good. But yeah, there's always the fear. And Ghostbusters, I definitely, I think it's one of those things where there's just so much investment on my part that I, I really, especially because I was so pro Afterlife, I'm very afraid of it just making me not be this time around. But, but we'll be honest, uh, that's what we do here, isn't it? If, it, if, it's, if it's crap, we will come out and say, I'm sorry, guys, we thought it stank, but we hope we don't. We'll, we'll most likely have main feed episodes. I'm not sure. I actually haven't looked at the release dates for a few of these. They might overlap, and that would create where maybe we don't do a full episode on one of these. Roadhouse mm-hmm. is the iffy one because it is a streaming release. We generally do theatrical releases on this show unless there is no theatrical release yes. the week it comes out. Um, so, But I, most likely we'll be talking about it in some form or at the very least. Mm-hmm. If I see it at South by, I'll be writing about it either for Burke Reviews or for Disappointment Media. So... Um, keep keep your eyes out. We'll we'll probably be talking about all four of these films over the course of the year. Yes, With sir. That, doesn't look to be too much. Sorry, sir. Doesn't doesn't look to be too much crossover from what I've just seen. So, fingers crossed. Ah, there it is, folks. Uh, that's that is uh, concessions of a cinephile. We're going to move on to our final segment: media consumption. These are uh, movie, TV show, podcast, video games, music, etc. That we've used to pass the time since we last recorded. Matt, what have you been consuming since we last spoke? Uh, I have been consuming a few things, JB. As usual, I've been consuming um, a few of my weird shows and podcasts, including Double Toasted, their reactions and reviews on YouTube. Um, and I've been going back and watching some of the old kill counts for Dead Meat. Uh, so the, the usual stuff to pass the time on the YouTubes. I need to listen to more podcasts. I need to listen to more things. I, I'm, I think I'm more visual sometimes than I am in ear despite doing podcasts but in terms of films ojb i haven't actually got one on my list which i have seen i'll throw that one now mean girls the musical i saw oh, nice. mean girls the musical and um i remember jb you re- you really enjoyed it didn't you or you very much I did, enjoyed very it. much yeah um I, i'm on the same train i i did enjoy oh, mean nice. girls the musical it, it, it i said it last week or the week before where it's inevitable that i will compare it to the original because i love the original like most of us do even if back in the day we didn't want to admit it now we are happy mm-hmm. to admit it um is it it's good no i don't think it's as good i don't think i don't think the characters are quite as memorable or as um have that staying power but it isn't that kind of film it's a musical. And like you said, like we've said, they do not market that whatsoever. This is a musical. Mean Girls the Musical is the first one wasn't. So that's, that's it's chalk and cheese in terms of genre almost. 
but I think this one succeeds in its genre. I think, you know, do you know what I mean? It, it works because of what it is. It's a musical. It may not want to advertise that, but as a musical, it works. I, were all, were all the songs amazing? Not all of them, no, but I, I, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I think the, the main cast of four leads, I do like them. I do think they work well together. It's not an issue of that. Um, it's just that like those first four are so iconic, man. But no, I did enjoy Mean Girls. I expected to come out and be like, oh man, I'm going to be the one who says it's not great. But no, I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, keep trying to make Mean Girls happen. I really like um, Janet, the the actress's name, who I will never get correct, but the actress who plays Moana, I thought she was amazing oh, in a- this Owie movie. Carvalho, I think, or yeah, something. I, think I, I will butcher it if I try. So yes, I'm going to go with what Matt said. I kind of um, wish you would try, JB. Um, I, why I, are you gonna, 20 bucks to try? <laughs> no, no, I'm going to do some uh, practice and then I will try, but I'm not doing it live on the air. So, um, God damn it. Like, I'm glad you liked it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought a lot of the songs were really catchy. The uh, The Halloween number, I think, might be the best song. Yes, um, I'm with you there. It's just such, such a good montage of the costumes and stuff. It really, really works. Yeah, it, it, don't go in expecting a, a remake of Mean Girls, as in shot for shot, beat for beat, because it isn't that, but... Um, because of that, I think the film works well on its own merit. So yeah, uh, pleasantly surprised. I think I'm going to say, especially because I didn't really like the the TikTok marketing of it, which I get it because it ro- it works so well in terms of the Mean Girls brand. But it wasn't really for me. But the film was decent. Um, I also watched Miller's Girl, the General Tager Martin Freeman film, which I lobbied for a link for and got one. Surprisingly, probably think I based in the states, but you know. I don't tell him that. Um, and it's fine. In fact, yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, it has the problem with, with a thrill. You know, you, John's worked, I say worked, John, John's my friend. We're friends and we've done the show for years. John knows exactly what I'm going to say now. It's, it follows the same problem as many thrillers that I've seen in the sense that it just isn't thrilling. It, ah. it's, you know, General Ortega is General Ortega's good. She she elevates the the film. I, again, I think she's a fantastic actress. Martin Freeman is very good in the film as well. I think they're good together. But I don't know this it's just uh, it, it, to use the same word I did earlier on. It just feels a little hollow. It's just there's no I, I didn't really feel the stakes. I didn't feel the they think the film was entirely um uh, tense or atmospheric or thrilling in, in, in given obviously the, the, the premise of it, uh, for those who don't know, obviously Google it, but I just thought they could have done a bit more. And with the star power, especially with general Ortega, who is, you know, who is like a, a triple a lister right now. Mm-hmm. It does it utilize her talents or does it showcase her abilities? Probably not as well as maybe it, uh, it could have done or, um, in the hands of maybe a stronger script screenplay, but she's still good in it. And Martin Freeman with his American accent is, is, is just fine as well. So it's a disappointment, especially because I mean, I, I hadn't heard of this film until last month or whenever the trailer dropped and then suddenly it was released or it, it was being released and kind of came out of nowhere, came and went. I don't know if that yeah. was deliberate because you know, maybe they, they realized it wasn't going to pop like they thought wasn't really for me i haven't seen what the rest of the world thought i hope i'm not alone on that one um i've also watched lots of star wars television episodes jb because that's what pretty much what i've been doing most of the weekend because over on star wars sessions we just dropped our our top 10 favorite star wars television episodes episode so you know our favorite whether it's animated or live action now i didn't um i even sound a show i didn't watch 300 animated episodes for this i've seen them in 
the past. I didn't go back and watch all those. I didn't go back and watch every episode of Andor or Obi-Wan or Mando. But I watched quite a few because I found trying to do 10, you know me, Jay, John, I love the wars. Trying to find just 10 was very hard. So I went back and watched a, some more, a bit of Andor. I watched some old Clone Wars episodes and Rebels episodes um, and very much enjoyed them. But you know, I spent a lot of my time just watching one-off episodes of Star Wars television. Too many to list, but maybe one from at least each released uh, TV series. So quite a few. And in amongst that, I have also been continuing my gameplay on, uh, it's relevant to you as well, WWE 2K23, so much so that I'm like, you know what, I am going to buy 24 when it comes out in March. Um, uh, I'm having such good fun with it. I've got, I've been, I was playing the My GM mode, uh, where as a general manager of uh-huh. SmackDown, and I, it was great. I was bloody awful, but then I was the first one to get all 10 Hall of Fame trophies, so no, stick that, uh, <laughs> uh, Paul Heyman. But I, so I, I've enjoyed that. Now I'm doing the universe mode where I'm essentially running the entire business and putting on all the shows and setting up all the rivalries and the matches. And it's so immersive. It's incredibly addictive. It's in, in fact, it's horribly addictive. And I hear that 24 is going to be even bigger in terms of like what the match um, types. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it, the tr- sorry, I, sir. I was, I don't feel like I've had the game long enough to want to buy another one. And I'm like, dang it, I'm going to end up buying 24 because uh, the just the, the storyline, it looks like they're doing 40 years of WrestleMania or something yes. like that. And I'm just like, okay, that's that's too cool <laughs> classic, to classic not have. Wrestlers, legendary matches. Come on. I, mean, I don't know. I, I haven't played any games really since with the PlayStation 2 days, maybe the PlayStation 1 days. So I don't know about the evolution of mechanics or the gameplay, if it's a bit like... Like, I don't know, like Madden, NHL, or even FIFA, where the the base game itself doesn't really change each year. It just gets like a shiny upgrade and a few new things tacked onto it. I don't know if that's the case, but I will say that it's in terms of some of the, those ones I've just mentioned. I think the the options available are vast. I really enjoy playing universe mode. And I know you can also do it as as your own character. So there's two. The replayability, I don't know. I don't know how long it goes on for, but I'm really enjoying it but i've got i've got a problem at the minute jb i've got one character who's got like three titles and i can't oh, man. put them in a, i can't put them in a match where all of the titles are on the line but i, I believe in 24 you can do that or at least a yeah. double title match if not multiple and that's what i want i'm like yeah i want to be i want to test you come on i'm gonna put you in a match with someone where all your belts are up for uh up for it but no i'm, I'm having a good time jb i still again i still don't know all of the the wrestlers i'm getting used to them more and more now um, but I'm actually just, if anything, enjoying it on a base level where even if these aren't real people, they're just characters created for a game. I'm enjoying it on that aspect as well. So um, I have been playing that. I haven't been watching any of it, though, because I forgot. But I know you have been checking out some wrestling and whatever's been checking out, my friend. Well, I'll start with the wrestling. Um, I Part of why my movie list is low is because of my, my doctorate program, but also because I have been watching wrestling um again like i'm watching monday night raw i'm watching some AEW stuff on wednesdays i'm watching smackdown but most importantly uh this past saturday was the royal rumble (laughs) which even when i wasn't actively watching wrestling that rumble wrestlemania and SummerSlam are usually three pay-per-views that i would tune in for just because you know that like they're going to be celebrity stuff and and you're just going to get they're just they've been around so long at this point other things happen i think you can just jump in and show to anyone just be like let's put this on Mm -hmm. it's just 30 people fighting this you know storyline and kayfabe almost 
almost goes out the window at points. It's just like people just fighting. It's fun. It also, though, it's actually kind of the opposite in some ways because they introduce a lot of new storylines throughout yes. the match There, because there's all these little threads like, oh, these two people have a feud happening and you kind of get like like a, a recap, a highlight reel of, of what's been happening. So it's a really good time to come into wrestling. So like I've just started rewatching it. So the rumble really helped me kind of connect like, okay, that's who this is and that's who they've been feuding with. And I, I have a better sense of what's going on in the, in the world right now. Of which WWE. one was better? I heard that the, the women's rumble was apparently better, which I can believe. Oh, but um, um, what did you think? I think or the drama with Bailey especially was very compelling for the, the, the women's uh, rumble. But mm-hmm. I what got me interested in WWE again, I don't even remember exactly what it was, but Cody Rhodes came back to WWE like last year in the rumble, won mm-hmm. the rumble, and that was kind of what got me hyped up again. And why I bought WWE 2K23 was mm-hmm. because Cody was in the game. And I had 2K22, and I was like, man, I really want Cody. And Cody's entrance is one of the best entrances ever. I, I really love his entrance. And it's mostly because of how much the crowd loves him. Um, and I would also put Seth Rollins' current entrance with that as well. Again, because of crowd interaction. Like, the it's there's just this vibe you get f- through the TV of the live crowd loving these two wrestlers. And they both got me kind of interested in it. So I was very invested in Cody's winning this year, um, which spoilers, I guess. I don't know if it's spoilers because it's technically a sport. Um, But Cody won back-to-back Rumbles. No one's done it since Stone Cold 25 years ago. So it was a big deal for him to win a second time. Um, I was super pumped. I was also excited to see CM Punk, which I don't know if you've heard, but CM Punk just came back to WWE. uh, Taurus Tricep at the Rumble. So he's out. (laughs) I did see that. I did. Um, pretty wild. I, apparently, I, I though, he, on, sorry, go on. No, apparently he got hurt when he started at AEW the same way. So it's apparently just what Punk does is he shows up, everyone's hyped, he gets hurt, he's gone for a while, then he'll come back and he'll do stuff. Nice. I was, you know, I tuned in. I was going to tune in to see, you know, all the all the positive news that must be coming around about Vince McMahon. You know, must be, everything Ooh. must be going smooth sailing for that guy. Obviously, I'm not going to touch on any of that other than to say, oh my god. <laughs> that, that is yeah. that is the bamper proof statement on the Vinnie Mac. I I I, I did it. legally I'll call them allegations, but you know off air I'll call them realities. Oh my god! But uh, and for podcast normal listening to blank check listening, I've really gotten into the rewatchables podcast. It's a ringer podcast, but that is because of my love for the big picture podcast. Two podcasts mm-hmm. that I also I learned about both of them from blank check because Sean Fantasy was a guest on blank check. I was like maybe I should give that a listen. Big fan. Um, I, I really, really love both podcasts uh, a lot. Rewatchables, I'm very selective because I haven't seen all the movies that they consider to be rewatchable, but I go mm-hmm. through and kind of am, I'm going through their back catalog. Like I just listened to the uh, the episode for Big, um, which they did in like 2022. Really good episode. I love that movie. I grew up loving that movie. Obviously, parts of that movie don't really hold up, uh, <laughs> but um, it's, it's one of those things that makes me want to revisit. I'm kind of thinking this year might be a, a good year to, to like, after like the last five years where I've almost not rewatched things where I've almost exclusively watched new stuff might be time to go back and revisit some films that I, I miss, or I've only seen a couple of times. <coughs> um, especially cause I buy so many of them. <laughs> I used to buy, uh, justifying that I would show it to a class potentially, you know, and then like, now I don't really have that. So it's like, well, if I own it, I should probably be rewatching it. Um, 
not just maybe one day rewatch it, you know, because let's be real, uh, existential crisis here, but I don't know how long I'll have to rewatch some of these movies, so I better start using it. Um, I know what you and, mean, my friend. Set yourself one a week. I know my brother's doing something. It's not that, but he's got a game where you put you pull a card out. It's got a film on it. And that's what film mm. you have to watch. And I know somebody at work's doing it. Set yourself a, a, a goal, John. Pick a random cell on your spreadsheet, and and that's what film you got to watch that week. Yeah. Well, with that, um, I caught a new movie that's going to have a theatrical release. It's kind of it's on tour right now. It's doing like a. Uh, like touring different theaters and having like the audience interaction stuff with it called hundreds of beavers, um, which <laughs> is a throwback to the silent era in a lot of ways, but also to like Looney tunes. And it's, it's so good, dude. It's so incredibly inventive and fun and funny. Uh, there's only, I think there's maybe one or two spoken words throughout the film. Uh, there's some, a song that is not sung by the characters. It's like over the, the thing and it's in black and white um, super low budget effects, but it, it just leans into it real hard and it works. It's so in so much fun. Can't recommend hundreds of beavers enough. Uh, it is, that's not an innuendo, although it might be, it's, there's no nudity in the film. It's, it's very tame. Uh, no cursing as it's very much Looney Tunes, physical comedy, just incredible, really good movie. Can't recommend it enough. Um, I need to see that film. I'm, I'm still taken by how it appears on a Google search for your website. Yeah. Tom not the not the the best in terms of names but it's obviously that's intentional um blank check is covering barbara streisand uh so i've now seen all of her directed films um i watched the prince of tides and the mirror has two faces i gotta say i of all of the movies i've watched because of blank check i think i was like the least interested in the prince of tides and the mirror has two faces solely based on the poster and a very misguided preconceived notion of barbara streisand um, Barbara's got a really great sense of humor and I don't think I ever realized that. I always thought of her as more of like a dramatic actress and a diva and a, and a diva, which I don't know that that's a fair, I think that's very much ingrained from other people's opinions mm-hmm. of her. Yep. Um, and the Prince of Tides is very dramatic, but it's also like, it's interesting as crap. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen it, man, but Nick Nolte's giving an incredible performance in that movie. And it is not what I thought it was going to be. It is a romance, but there is so much else going on in that film. Like it's, it's cause it's a therapy movie and it's like a repressed trauma. And like the trauma is wild. Like it is like, you're like, what? And then, um, (laughs) mirror has two faces. Uh, I'm a big Jeff Bridges fan. I like him a lot. The, the poster looks real, looks bad and rom-com, but it's a great rom-com. I had so much fun with the movie and it's such an interesting premise again, because in this case he is looking to find a a person um, to be with, but also not have like a physical marriage. Like he just wants to have a companion, not necessarily someone he's, it, it, it leans a little into like, he just wants someone to cook and clean, but not really. It's more like, he just wants someone he knows is there to listen to him and he can listen to them and like, you know, have this, uh, uh, well, a friendship essentially is what he's looking for, but he's, he's kind of a weird guy, but I, I was so kind of charmed by the film and there's some moments in it that were really good. And, um, I don't know. I, I ended up liking both way more than I expected, uh, especially based on the poster. I haven't seen either of them. So I feel like I should watch them now because your so, impassioned words there <laughs> made me very intrigued. Do you, I really think you should check out Prince of Tides because Nick Nolte is incredible. Like it's I such like a Nick performance. Nolte. Um, and 
uh, I think that one's easier to get. Mirror had two faces. I had to buy physical. Like it was not on any streaming service anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like I, I had to get it physically um, in order to see it. Uh, if I remember, I might maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was just it was like more money to buy it digital, and I went with the the DVD copy. But nevertheless, I I have I own both now, and I'm not mad about it because I, I think they're both great. Um, and then uh, they're on the Patreon. They're covering Terminator right now, which I've seen Terminator and Terminator Two. I had not rewatched either in a long time, but I had bought Terminator 2 4K Blu-ray when it came out. Like that was when I heard it was like, you got to have this one. It's really good, really great uh, scan. And I've been wanting to rewatch it since I bought it because I love that movie in the 90s. And I think on last week's episode, you said that Terminator is better than Terminator 2. And I was like, wow, that's controversial. A lot of people like preferred. I say I preferred. I just back. I can't use the word better because I'll get flamed. I, I, alien, aliens, tomato, tomato, uh, oh, to, see, Terminator. I, I know. I'm I know. We. Much- I know you threw me under the bus last week. I just meant that they're both great well, films. So hold on. whichever one you pick is a winner. I, I, I think I prefer Terminator having rewatched Terminator two last oh, night. Damn. Um, uh, I, you know why though? I don't, no? I think a lot of Edward Furlong's dialogue is terrible. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it does not age well. Like it, it's nope. just like, I'm like, cause he's like, you gotta talk like people. And I'm like, everything you just said is nothing like people ever spoke. Like none of those phrases were ever said in the way you just said them. And I feel like there's a lot of scenes in that movie where it's like, he's super cringe and he has a few good moments, but I do think he's the weak link in a lot of ways. Um, There are some incredible films. I think Arnold's insanely good in Terminator two though. Like I, I love that character so much in Terminator two. Like obviously he's a completely different version of that character than the first movie, but just the performance he's so committed i just think he really has such a grip on it and obviously sarah connor is incredible yeah. um in both films but I, I i think the first one is better in a lot of ways i think two is still great two is like ex- excellent action scenes and um you know the story is it, it's a good it's a really good sequel I think that's something lacking with a lot of other Terminator films is that they aren't good sequels. They're just, mm-hmm. they're cash grabs. Terminator two is like a logical sequel to the first Terminator. Like yeah. everything about Terminator two makes sense. And you're just like, how did they pull, how did Cameron pull this off with that gap in time too? Like, did he have the whole movie planned out when he made the first one? Or was he really, I, I think I mentioned this last week anyways, but um, I think these two films together are like one of the best pairings of a first movie sequel that aren't exactly the same, right? Like the, no, there yeah. is a logical progression in that storytelling that really works in both films. But at the same time, it is the two films start, are, are so different as well, I find, but mm-hmm. they, they, they feel so connected. It doesn't feel yes. like they came 10 years later, whatever it was, how many years later, just because they wanted to get the band back together. Everything flows so organically in, in terms of the story. Um, and t- I mean, t- even t- the is story the- makes sense with the time gap, right? Like, cause like it's, it's yes. been 10 years. Like it's been, yeah, it's just, it's really impressive. It's an impressive sequel. Yeah. How can you not? It's one of the, it's one of the all time classic sequels. Um, I, I agree with you about Ed- Edward Furlong and what, whatever the guy's name is. Um, I can't think of his name now, but, uh, he, again, he, he, the character, the character itself was almost iconic, but there are some lines, especially when Arnie's, especially when they stop off and, He's on the bike and he's on the phone. It's like, I, I would have, I would have thrown that kid under the bus straight away if I could have done. But uh, yeah, no, I, I'm glad that you've uh, you've come to the light side of the force on that one. Well, yeah, and again, having not rewatched either in a long time, um, it was great rewatching both of them. I, I have never seen three or four. 
I've never seen Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines. I've never seen Terminator Salvation. I'm going to be watching both of those. Uh, so, Terminator. yeah, we'll see how that goes. There are people will tell you, you might be on the same. People will say that they are abysmal. I think three is pretty good. I don't think it, it's kind of like Godfather sequel, sequel uh, syndrome where the first two are great and the third one is fine, but it just doesn't stack up to those first two. And Salvation, the, the Bale one, it's a perfectly decent action film. You know, is it can it can it hold up to Terminator one and two, which unfortunately we have to because it's part of the timeline? No, but is it a good, good enough action film which is flawed? Yes it's perfectly enjoyable it's obviously but when you when you're holding up to such uh hallowed levels of genre film like those t- early terminator films and of course they're going to look lacking genesis though is bloody awful that i have seen and agree jason clark what are you going to do um <laughs> so uh that's what we've been consuming since the last time we recorded folks let's move on uh, before we go before we say goodbye we got to check the bampometers and we got to see how are we staying bloody awesome? Matt, I need to know, what have you been doing to stay bloody awesome? I feel like both of ours is kind of in the same line of <laughs> something we've already talked about. Well, go ahead, Matt. What have you been doing? Yeah, you, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, mine, I don't, I don't know if they, how, how well they fall on the, the lazy scale as well, but mine certainly does. I've already spoken about mine and it's simply gaming. I don't game enough. I bought my PlayStation Christmas before last. Um, and I'd play it a bit. I've got the, the rental scheme I always go on about. But I just haven't been playing. But recently, I've been you know, whether it's WWE or, or, or EA Sports, sorry FIFA or EA Sports FC, what it's called, um, and stuff like that. I've been playing a little bit more. And I remember what you said beginning of the year that you, you had the opportunity to watch some films or or watch or, pl- or, or play some video games. And I know what you mean. There have been times this week where I thought I could go to the cinema tonight or see what's on streaming. I kind of just want to sit down in my lazy chair. And just play some games, you know, just sit there and just play some games and let the world go by for a couple of hours. Unfortunately, that end turns up being about five or six hours. But what are you going to do? Um, so, yeah, my, mine is just gaming. I, I've always enjoyed it. Never done it enough. I, I, I kind of stick to what I like too much. I do need to branch out and play different games, but I'm enjoying it, JB. It's nice little escapism. How long it will last, I don't know, because the, the itch to go and watch more films will always come back. But... Uh, I'm enjoying it for what it's worth, JB, and I'm enjoying putting with people through tables. I also made the bloody awesome movie podcast on there, which I said I said that to you as well. Uh, the band boys are on there. We are the current bloody awesome tag team champions. Um, I'm not in any rush to relinquish that belt, uh, though we did lose our first match, so I had to replay it, so we won it again. But um, yeah, I try to be as faithful as possible to the look. JB is a super buff heavyweight, and I am not. But together we work very well, and um, yeah, it's uh, it was fun to do that. And it's fun to play as the the band boys here and there. But so I've just been gaming, JB. Uh, surely yours doesn't begin with a G as well. Surely it can't be that coincidental. Uh, no, mine. Um, I, I mentioned the Rewatchables podcast. Uh, another episode I listened to this week was the film Singles, um, yeah, which is uh, a film I've only seen one time, um, twenty Can years we? ago when I joined a band called Contrast. Mm-hmm. Um, and my my guitar player had a list of movies that musicians need to know and singles was one the only one i think i had not seen and i was like well i guess i should watch this and i did and i kind of liked it i didn't love it at the time um i liked parts of it because i was a big alice in chains fan and alice in chains plays in it um obviously uh all of pearl jam is the band that matt Dillon is the singer for i think he's the singer yes of. um right. and um, so I was listening to the episode and I'm like, I, last week I listened to a bunch of Pearl Jam because of you. Um, and, and then I'm listening to the singles and they're talking about how great the soundtrack is. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to 
listen to the soundtrack. Obviously, I know a lot of the bands. I, I don't. I've never listened to like the soundtrack. Soundtrack is incredible, but that led me to Spotify's grunge playlist, where I just was like all the grunge music just like nonstop <laughs> for like three days. Um, and I, I go through phases where grunge is like the only thing I listen to. I like, I don't know how many times I've listened to Nirvana's unplugged album. It's one of my favorite albums all time ever. Like I love it. Um, I, I I've listened to all of Nirvana's albums multiple times. Uh, but, um, and I'm a little bit basic cause I am a nevermind is where I go by default. Cause that's the album that I grew up like obsessed with. Like mm-hmm. I had the guitar tab book for nevermind. So like the Still first like, five songs I learned how to play, or like come as you are and lithium and uh smells like teen spirit so you know what i'm saying like that album's just like and poly too also i love playing poly on the acoustic um so like that album's just in me uh but it's just i've just been diving back into grunge music and today i ended up um there was a band i liked a lot called toadies i don't know if you ever listened to toadies or not but there was an album called rubberneck which one of the first bands i was ever in we played we covered like three songs off of that album and i no one seems to know them except for people who, who were in my circle, but um, they, an acoustic version of uh, Possum Kingdom came on the, the grunge playlist today. I was like, hold up. What is this from? And I found out they did like a whole acoustic album in like 2015 uh, with like the, bringing back other songs. I've only really ever listened to Rubberneck as an album. They have several albums, but um, mm-hmm. I, I want to th- shout out to Toadies. If you've never listened to Toadies Rubberneck, I highly recommend that album. Tyler, um, I think Away and Possum Kingdom are the big three hits, but I also love Backslider. Um, it comes from the water. Oh, man, just such a vibe. Um, if you haven't listened to them, I say give them a chance. Uh, you I'm rarely sure listen you to sent me. me them before, and I did enjoy it. And, and I did enjoy what I heard. Um, man, grunge music is it's, well, grunge music is great. I don't care what anyone says. It's, 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 it's rough and easy music. I love it. Yeah, it's great. But that's what I've been, uh, how I've been saying Bloody Awesome is just listening to a lot of music uh, while I work and do things um, that don't require me to have uh, my ears open to the world. So um, <laughs> that's our episode, folks. We're going to be back next week to talk about Argyle. That's Matthew Vaughn, right? Yes, it is. Yep. Matthew Vaughn's Argyle with Henry Cavill um, and a bunch of other people who I'm not going to name right now. Uh, Sam Rockwell, though, I will name because I love Sam Rockwell. Do a lip yeah, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. I mean, I guess we're naming a bunch of people. But nevertheless, we're going to be talking about Argyle. Uh, it's in theaters everywhere this weekend. Um, reviews just opened up, and it's not looking great. Um, seems to be very middling oh. from what I'm seeing everywhere. Uh, but, you know, we'll give we'll you see. our opinion next week. Um, in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. On Instagram, Threads, and TikTok, you can search Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Uh, Twitter, sl- or X. X uh, gonna get you. We are at BAMP underscore podcast, B A M P underscore podcast. On Facebook, you can just search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. And of course, we are a Tomatometer approved podcast. So our rating of poor things is gonna give it, it probably won't affect the percentage at this point because I think it's just 97% is pretty high. But nevertheless, we're giving thumbs up on this one. Who knows what we'll give Argyle? We'll see. Um, individually, you can follow me at BurkeReviews.com and at BurkeReviews on all those social media platforms. Matt, where can they find you? You can find me, what I watched tonight.co.uk and across all of the socials, including Letterboxd, just search what I watched tonight. And we know we say this every week, but we have to continue. If you like what we're doing and you haven't taken the time to rate us just yet, please do. It really helps other people find the show, and that's all we're asking. We just want other people to hear our wise words or our dumb words or whatever. Mm. But if you like it, five stars that's all we ask with that we encourage you to keep watching movies and stay bloody awesome blood 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 blood
Blood, 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 blood,